It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Battle for the gavel. Good afternoon and welcome to the broadcast. We air it all out for the American people to see. Democracy is messy. Things are certainly messy these days on Capitol Hill. After six rounds of voting, California's Kevin McCarthy has still not been able to win over enough Republicans to take up the gavel in the U.S. House. We just keep talking. That's all. We talk until we get this done. McCarthy says he is in it for as long as it takes, so too is Florida's Matt Gates, one of the Never Kevin Caucus. We gotta drain this swamp. We shouldn't put one of the alligators in charge. Gates is one of 20 road Republicans that are standing in the way of McCarthy's job promotion. Colorado's Lauren Boebert also in that boat. Kevin McCarthy didn't even want to listen to us until his disappointing midterms. We all want a unified party, but this isn't chaos. But chaos is exactly what it is, says Congressman Tony Gonzalez. The mood is chaos a mood. If it is, that's the mood. Congressman Carlos Jimenez thinks the Never Kevin Caucus is bad for the country. You're really a team player. Let's get on board, let's row in the same direction, and let's start working for America. No House business can get done, including swearing in new members, until a speaker is seated. Earlier today, I spoke about the stalemate in the House with Southern-tier political pundit Dr. Steve Coleman. This is like an Ali Frazier fight, Steve. It's round seven, and it could go all 12, maybe even more. They're going to vote again this afternoon. Uh, Who do you think blinks first here, Steve? Is it going to be the Never Kevin Caucus, which numbers about 20? Or do you think uh, that Kevin McCarthy may ultimately have to say, hey, I've got to step down here or the business of America will never get done? Uh, Ultimately, I think he's going to have to uh, turn to the Democrats and uh, appeal to the Democrats just not to show up for the uh, vote, which means less people in the chamber. And therefore, he'll need less than 218 to win as Speaker of the House. I think that may very well happen. Yeah, that's a good point because the parliamentary rules say it's just a majority plus one. So if there's only 10 in the chamber, all he needs is six votes. (laughs) So, you know, LBJ used to do that a lot. He'd send the Democrats off on assignment so he could get whatever legislation he want passed. He could do that with Republicans, too, couldn't he? Well, you know, however he manipulates the numbers, he'll need to get the magic number to win. So I think it's going to go in that direction where he's going to need Democratic help. The Republican folks that are making it impossible for McCarthy, they're ideologues. They want it their way or the highway. Uh, Certainly this has clogged up everything. We haven't had this uh, situation for 100 years. (laughs) You know, this is a 100-year event, uh, so So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch this. And, you know, when you come down to it, democracy is really not perfect. Uh, Things happen. Stuff happens in democracy. And this is happening 100 years after the last time. Yeah, it's history in the making. We're all witnessing it. I've always wondered this as a fellow political junkie. It seems to me, anyway, that Democrats may have their differences, but they all vote together when it matters. All of them voting for Hakeem Jeffries every ballot. Why is it the Republican Party seems to be so good at eating its own? Well, in this case, Bob, it's splintered. 
a group of, of about 20 Republican ideologues. They see perfection, but in this case, it's the enemy of the good. Final analysis, Steve, the end game here. How much longer do you think this takes? Oh, boy, this is, I would say, Bob, uh, let's give it a couple of weeks. Insights and analysis there from political pundit Dr. Steve Coleman on the stalemate in the U.S. House. Other news today, 50,000 people attended the funeral today of former Pope Benedict XVI at the Vatican. Correspondent Tina Krause has more from Rome. In a packed St. Peter's Square, the body of Pope Benedict was carried before crowds in a traditional cypress wood coffin. Among the tens of thousands gathered in the shadow of St. Peter's Basilica, more than 100 cardinals, 400 bishops, and nearly 4,000 priests from all over the world. The former pontiff requested a simple funeral before he died last week at the age of 95. Only Italy and Benedict's native Germany sent official delegations for the Mass. Tina Krause in Rome a decade ago. Benedict became the first pope in more than 600 years to resign as head of the Roman Catholic Church. Relentless rain in California causing death and destruction as well as mandatory evacuations. This Californian didn't need to be told twice to flee for higher ground. We're just going to get out of the way, let nature do its thing, and we'll be back tomorrow. Governor Newsom's declared a state of emergency. Nancy Ward with the California Office of Emergency Services. This may be one of the most challenging and impactful series of storms to touch down in California in the last five years. Nearly a quarter million Californians have no power today due to what authorities are now calling a bomb cyclone. President Biden is about to go somewhere he hasn't been since taking office, the southern border. He'll be in El Paso, Texas this weekend. The president talking about the immigration crisis in a speech right now at the White House. Brandon Judd is with the National Border Patrol Council. If he puts the proper policies, programs and operations in place, we could get this under control tomorrow. He's refused to do that. It's it's two years and we continue to see this chaos. This chaos has been caused by him and he has no desire to fix it. Next week, the president will attend a meeting of North American leaders in Mexico City. The man accused of murdering four University of Idaho students is back in Idaho. 28-year-old Brian Koberger was arrested last week at his home in the Pennsylvania Pocono Mountains. He could face the death penalty if convicted. Mom and Dad, another reason to live Limit your child's screen time. Here's Family Life's Brandon Dixon. Researchers at the University of North Carolina say social media is actually reprogramming the brains of adolescents. Kids today are addicted to the likes they get on their social media posts. The latest data shows children ages 13 to 17 are online almost nine hours a day. A lot of that time is spent checking for positive or negative reactions to Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook posts. Psychologists are concerned concerned social feedback on these media platforms so early in adolescence is acting to rewire the brains of America's young people. The entire study is published in the journal The American Medical Association. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. All right, very interesting. Thank you, Brandon. Tokyo, Japan is the world's largest city with over 37 million inhabitants, and apparently that is enough for Japanese authorities. The country now will pay people to leave that city. Families that relocate out of Tokyo will receive $7,700 per child. The population
Inflation Control Stimulus Measure will start in April. Still to come on the noon report for Thursday, sports betting is big business in New York. Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey is battling cancer, and Buffalo generosity knows no bounds. Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams looking for a gradual return to more typical temperatures for the time of year, but no big-ticket winter items are foreseen, at least not for now. Forecast details are up in 10. All right, Kevin, good to have you back in the saddle. Thank you. Let's check the stories making news where you live right now. Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. The Democrat, given an excellent prognosis, will undergo surgery in the coming months. He is expected to make a full recovery. The three-term senator was first elected in 2006 and is next up for election in 2024. The abortion industry seems to be thriving in Pennsylvania. Family Life's Mark Webster has that story. Yeah, Bob. New data from the state health department shows over 33,000 abortions happen every year now in the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is especially concerned with the growing prevalence of do-it-yourself abortions. The FDA this week took action to make abortion pills more readily available. 56% of all abortions in this country now happen through pills, not surgery. Complications from abortions rose 5% last year in Pennsylvania. Mark Webster, Family Life News. Thank you very much, Mark. Sports betting is big business in New York. Last year, there was an 8,000% increase in online sports betting in the Empire State. That's right, 8,000. 14 billion with a B dollars wagered on sporting contests in 2022. The most in the nation. Five years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court removed the federal ban on sports betting. New York legalized it in 2019. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is awake from a medically induced coma as he continues to recover at a Cincinnati hospital three days after being nearly killed while making a tackle in a game against the Bengals. Doctors today said the 24-year-old is neurologically intact, and that is very good news. Boomer Esiason with the NFL Today. If the Bills go on to win the Super Bowl, and he's sitting there with a Lombardi trophy holding it mm-hmm. because his teammates went out there and won these games for him. That's an amazing, amazing story that could be written here. Former player Chris Valletta says, well, Hamlin's injury is rare. It has happened before and most of the time in youth sports. Over 23,000 youth athletes actually suffer from sudden cardiac arrest every year. The Bills are scheduled to wrap up their regular season at home on Sunday against the Patriots. No no word if the Cincy game will be rescheduled. The FBI is offering a $25,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in the June 7th firebombing of a pro-life clinic in Amherst, New York. The Compass Care facility was attacked by a group calling itself Jane's Revenge. The building sustained major damage. A Buffalo church is raising money for the family of five children who perished in a house fire early Saturday. Cornerstone Ministries is also collecting clothes and furniture for those impacted by that deadly blaze. When there's a fire that's as devastating, you don't have anything, nothing. And um, so everything is needed. 
and everything is appreciated. The pastor of the church has set up a GoFundMe page that has already raised more than $100,000. The cause of that fire remains a mystery. The proposed merger of Penn State's two accredited law schools is moving forward. Penn State Law at University Park and Penn State Dickinson Law will join forces and become one. The new school will be located in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Hospitals are making moves to prepare for a potential nurses' strike in New York City. Scott Pringle has that report. Hospitals are postponing elective surgeries starting today as thousands of nurses from seven private hospitals are threatening to walk off the job Monday. Now the hospitals are also discharging patients as early as possible to keep the patient numbers lower. Nancy Hagens is with the New York State Nurses Association Union. There's been some offers in progress, but we are not there yet. Nurses are seeking raises, no cuts to their health benefits, and higher staffing levels. Scott Pringle, New York. Onondaga County is looking to hire more 911 operators. Emergency services dispatchers can earn over $50,000 a year. The civil service exam happens February 25th. The deadline to apply is next Tuesday. You must have a college degree. Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry is defending his decision not to support Kevin McCarthy in his bid to become House Speaker. Washington is broken. Everybody knows that Congress has to work for the American people, not just the people in the swamp. Perry tells ABC 27 he will never support McCarthy, even though the political food fight is holding up the business of America. There's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Fellow Republican Lloyd Smucker of Pennsylvania says the political paralysis in Washington is an embarrassment for the Republican Party. A Southern Tier school district is helping students prepare for life. At a recent Life is a Reality Expo at Maine Endwell High School. Students were exposed to what it's like to buy a car, take out a loan, or pay a phone bill. Those who put on the financial literacy event say this is something that ought to be taught in school everywhere. The students at Maine Endwell were taught how to plan for and live within a budget. Thursday Sports next, right here on The Family Life. New and Report. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob Jalen Brunson had a career-high 38 points. Julius Randle had a double-double with 25 points and 13 boards. And the Knicks needed all of them. Playing at the Garden, New York edged out San Antonio 117-114. New York now 21-18 on the season. The Philadelphia 76ers remain one slot ahead of the Knicks in the East after they won their game in overtime against the Indiana Pacers. 129-126, your final. James Harden led the way, scoring 26. Tobias Harris chipped in with a double-double of his own, scoring 19 and grabbing 10 rebounds. Kevin Durant scored 44. But it wasn't enough to prevent the Nets' 12-game winning streak from coming to an end. Brooklyn fell to the Chicago Bulls 121-112. The Bulls spread out their scoring. Six players reaching double figures. Elsewhere on the hardwood, it was Memphis 131, Charlotte 107. The Cavs by a bucket over Phoenix 90-88. Orlando knocked off the Thunder 126-115. In overtime, the Bucks came out on top of the Raptors. 104 101. Minnesota 113, Portland 106, the Pelicans 119, the Rockets 108. 
Detroit 122 to 119 winners over Golden State. The Lakers beat the Heat 112-109 and Atlanta won over Sacramento 120 to 117. On the ice, New Jersey, Minnesota and Anaheim all skated to victories. A big signing in baseball as the Boston Red Sox are not going to let go of their franchise player. Rafael Devers has signed an 11-year, $331 million contract. And, of course, that's pending a physical. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, thank you very much. Still to come on the Noon Report, farewell to a Pope. Speaker, stalemate, and Biden will visit the border. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. If, by pressing a button, you could get the same sensation as the most pleasant, relaxing, or enjoyable experience you've ever had, would you do it? If so, how often? Well, back in the 1950s, a curious psychologist sought an answer to those questions. He installed electrodes into the pleasure centers of rats' brains, and then he gave them a lever to zap themselves. Not only did they like it, they became addicted. They pressed the lever thousands of times a day over and over, neglecting to eat, drink, or sleep until they eventually died. Now, if you're tempted to reply here that, well, rats aren't humans, consider a new phenomenon, ASMR, that seems to suggest that when given the chance, human beings will readily seek out the tingles in lieu of real-life experience. A recent article by Sam Chris in The Spectator explains ASMR, which stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. It's a sort of pleasant tingle, a warmth that many people say that they experience when they hear certain sounds or watch someone manipulate the right object in the right way. Common ASMR triggers can include whispering, quiet voices, tapping or clicking, the sound of someone slowly chopping vegetables or stroking your face. According to Chris, there's an entire industry of self-proclaimed ASM artists exploding onto the online scene. Some are getting quite rich, triggering oddly pleasant sensations. The most popular host on YouTube, for example, boasts millions of subscribers. Most of them are young women who brush their lips or fingertips against microphones and whisper kind, affirming words. They pretend to ask you about your day and your feelings. They give you an imaginary face massage, cut your hair, or just play with household objects close to the camera. Chris believes that there's something deeply dystopian about, and here I quote, untold millions of people who spend a good chunk of their free time every day sitting by themselves in a dark room in front of a screen, blissing out to a series of clicking sounds. Or to someone who does not know your name, and who would not notice if you died tomorrow, pretending to nurture you. This could only exist in a deeply lonely, deeply broken world. End quote. Well, he's certainly correct in saying that for many people, this is a deeply lonely, deeply broken world. According to one post-pandemic survey, more than half of American adults say that they're lonely. And the popularity of ASMR seems to suggest that our particular brand of loneliness is reaching into the primal parts of our being. The role that ASM artists often play on camera are of mothers, are of our very closest friends. Yet the tingles that people seek in ASMR are no more of a solution for that loneliness than the electrodes in the rat's brains were a solution for their hunger. This growing trend is an attempt to trigger sensations associated with physical embodiment and human relationships without the embodiment or the relationships. But that's just not how humans are made. Contrary to all of our Gnostic tendencies and assumptions these days, we are embodied beings. We cannot bypass the physical aspect of who we are without doing damage both to our personal and to our collective humanity. God made us for relationship. 
He gave us bodies to mediate and facilitate those relationships. As helpful as computers and phones can be to keep in touch with each other, they're not substitutes for real people. Attempts to bypass the need for human presence or to receive pleasure at the press of a button can seem to work for a moment. They might even earn millions of YouTube subscribers. However, in the end, we'll just all be left lonelier than we were when we found them appealing in the first place. And that should trigger in us chills, not tingles. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. 20 past the hour, Kevin Williams next. Good afternoon. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Still milder than normal, but cooler for some. Temperatures will peak in the 40s generally. Cloud cover and some sunshine at times. Then for tonight, tomorrow mainly cloudy, turning chillier, an evening shower for some. Then a bit of snow mixed with rain later tonight into tomorrow. Some parts of the air could expect a little thin coating by tomorrow morning. Low tonight near the freeze point, the high tomorrow, 30s and low 40s. Saturday, good deal of cloudiness, a touch of snow or flurries, and chilly with a high temperature in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you kindly. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Great to have you with us today. Uh, here's what's going on. Thursday, the 5th of January, still no Speaker of the House, the stalemate in the Republican Party, entering a third day. Reporter Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill. The new GOP-controlled Congress can't vote on bills, form committees, or even swear in members until they elect a Speaker. And that may not happen. For days. After six rounds of voting, California's Kevin McCarthy has not been able to secure the 218 votes that he needs to become Speaker. I'm ready to vote all night, all week, all month, and never for that person. It's actually becoming detrimental to our nation. About 20 rogue Republicans standing in the way of McCarthy and the Speaker's gavel. Round seven of the voting about to get underway. 50,000 people attended the funeral today of former Pope Benedict XVI. 16th in St. Peter's Square at the Vatican, correspondent Molly Hunter. 86-year-old Pope Francis arriving in a wheelchair due to mobility issues, delivering the homily, the first time in more than 600 years a current pope has presided over his predecessor's funeral mass. The whole event pared down compared to the last papal funeral of Pope John Paul II back in 2005. Uh, world leaders were here. It was a, a big event for the entire world. This was an event for the hometown, if you will. That report from Molly Hunter at the Vatican. 200,000 people paraded past the wooden casket of the former pope the past few days. The 95-year-old was buried today in a crypt beneath St. Peter's Basilica. For the first time since taking office, President Biden will visit the southern border. He'll be in El Paso on Sunday. Texas Congressman Mike McCall says better late than never. I'm glad the president is actually traveling to the, the border for the first time in his presidency after 5 million people have crossed illegally and 100,000 people have died because of fentanyls coming primarily from China into Mexico. Mr. Biden travels to Mexico City next week for a meeting with North American leaders. Buffalo Bill's safety DeMar Hamlin is awake from a medically induced coma and showing remarkable improvement after suffering a cardiac arrest during a Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Doctors say three days following that freak injury, Hamlin is neurologically intact. 
as he continues to recover at the hospital. A powerful bomb cyclone is bringing record rain to parts of California. Angie Lastman with the National Weather Service. 33 million people continue to be at risk for flooding concerns, washed out roads. We have really saturated soil, which of course will mean the flooding concern, but it also means that trees with these gusty winds are likely to fall down. Mudslides are also a major concern. A quarter million homes lost power last night in northern California. Well, those familiar red MAGA hats are apparently constitutionally protected free speech. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled in favor of a Washington state teacher who wore one of those Make America Great Again hats to a school racial bias training seminar. That teacher says he was verbally attacked for displaying the hat in public. The Ninth Circuit says his freedom of speech rights were violated. It's 24 past the hour, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. This is Faith Under Fire, our Thursday news feature on Family Life. I'm Greg Gillespie, and with the new year, I'm honored to be your new host for Faith Under Fire. Today's guest is attorney Matt Smith, senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF represented website designer Lori Smith, who sued the Colorado Civil Rights Division over a state law which raises First Amendment considerations. Matt, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments on the case in December. Tell us where the case stands now. Lori Smith is a graphic artist and website designer and owner of 303 Creative in Colorado. And she serves people from all walks of life, um, but only takes specific projects that uh, align with her beliefs and values. And so when she learned that Colorado was going to force her to do websites celebrating same-sex weddings, she filed a lawsuit challenging Colorado's unlawful actions that were forcing her to speak a message and celebrate an event that violated her beliefs. Lori saw what had happened to Jack Phillips, the Colorado cake baker, who had a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And rather than waiting to be dragged into court, just like Jack was, she had no choice but to challenge the law. Now, not every business has to accept every customer. What's your sense of why Christian businesses are, seem to be the primary focus of these kinds of legal actions? Yeah, well, I think there's a strong effort to force people who disagree on issues like same-sex marriage and others to punish them for holding different beliefs. And we've seen that play out with Jack Phillips, where he's now in his third lawsuit. And the individual suing him said that if this case was thrown out, they would turn around and sue Jack again. Lori, seeing this, is hopeful that her case will be a strong victory from the U.S. Supreme Court, affirming that no government official can force anyone, Christian, non-Christian, whatever their beliefs, to support a cause or speak a message that violates their beliefs. How does the court decide between applying a law and applying the Constitution. What what trends have we seen in courts across the country, and particularly the Supreme Court? Well, I think what was so troubling in Lori's case is that a lower court said what Lori does is free speech. They acknowledge that her creative website design is protected by the First Amendment, but nonetheless took the position that Colorado can override her First Amendment rights and how it applies its non-discrimination law. And we think that's why the U.S. Supreme Court took this case, and we are hopeful that they are going to affirm that any such laws must always give way to the First Amendment, and it puts a strict limit on the government's ability 
ability to force any of us to speak a message that we disagree with. So, for example, a win for Lori would also protect the right of an LGBT website designer who didn't want to be required to create a website criticizing same-sex marriage. Or it would also protect, for example, a Democrat speechwriter from being required to draft speeches for the Republican Party. All of these are protected by the First Amendment, and that's ultimately what Lori is standing for in this case, is that every government official must respect the constitutional rights of artists, of really every American, to speak freely without fear of government punishment. We're talking with Matt Sharp, a senior counsel with ADF. It can be tricky to prejudge what the eventual ruling may be, but as you look at it, what sticks out from the way the Supreme Court justices' questioning happened? Yeah, I think there were, there were two things that really jumped out at the oral arguments, which we thought went very, very well. Number one, the justices were asking a lot of hypotheticals. They're sort of testing the outer limits of what a ruling for Lori would be. And so they were asking situations such as a newspaper. Could a a newspaper be forced to print wedding announcements if it didn't want to? And we all took that as a good sign because the court was recognizing that if it ruled for Colorado, if it ruled that the government can override citizens' free speech rights, that could have huge implications, not just for individuals like Lori or Jack Phillips, but for media organizations, for countless others. The second, we saw a great quote from Justice Gorsuch where he really narrowed in on the issue of this case. He asked the question, or made the point, with Lori, it's never about the who, it's about the what. Lori always looks at what is she being asked to express. And if it's something that conflicts with her beliefs, Lori, like any other artist, simply can't create it. And so Justice Gorsuch rightfully went to the point to say, this is not about denying anyone access to goods and services based on any characteristic. Rather, it's about ensuring that no one can be forced to speak a message or support a cause or idea that violates their deepest beliefs and convictions. Senior Counsel Matt Sharp of Alliance Defending Freedom. I'm Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, Greg, and looking forward to what you bring to the table on Faith Under Fire, which you can hear every Thursday during the Noon Report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just look for the news icon on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A gradual cooling of the air over the next several days will return more typical temperatures to our region for this time of year. There's no severe cold foreseen. No big-ticket winter items are foreseen either, but there will be little snow at times over the next several days. Now, for this afternoon, on the other hand, still milder than normal, but cooler for some. Temperatures will peak in the 40s generally, cloud cover, and some sunshine at times. Then for tonight, tomorrow, mainly cloudy, turning chillier, an evening shower for some. Then a bit of snow mixed with rain later tonight into tomorrow. Some parts of the area could expect a little thin coating by tomorrow morning. Low tonight near the freeze point, the high tomorrow, 30s and low 40s. Saturday, good deal of cloudiness, a touch of snow or flurries, and chilly with a high temperature in the 30s. All right, Kevin Williams, thank you very much. Finally at noon, there are runners, and then there are runners, and then there are runners. And then there's this guy. Family Life's Brian Quarry has the story of a British man who ran a marathon every day for an entire year. For many, running a marathon is a way of proving athletic ability and determination. But for Englishman Gary McKee, it's literally just another day in the office. You see, McKee literally ran a marathon every day of 2022 to raise money for cancer treatment and support agencies. And after his daily run... He went to work at his full-time job at a nuclear site. 
Donations to his efforts topped £1 million, or just over $1.2 million. McKee finished his last day of running on New Year's Eve to cheering crowds and fireworks, and when asked why he ran, McKee said, because cancer affects everybody. In a year that seemed to run by quickly, McKee went through 20 pairs of running shoes and powered through 9,500 miles, equivalent to crossing the United States three times. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, Brian, I don't even know how that's humanly possible. Uh, A marathon every day for an entire year. That's the world we live in Thursday, the 5th day of January, 2023. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.